I'm Bob Madar, and I welcome you to episode four of the Caregiver series of Local Folks Podcast. I'd like to introduce you to Brenda, who's been managing her mother's care for the past several years. Unlike the caregivers we've met in previous episodes, Brenda's mom lives in an apartment in a retirement community here in Corvallis, a situation which presents its own set of challenges. When I asked Brenda to talk about the events that led up to her mother moving to an apartment, she mentioned that it wasn't until the death of her mom's partner that Brenda realized just how serious her mother's cognitive impairment was. So then it became very, very clear. I knew my mother had been having problems with her memory for quite a while. But because he was her partner, the two of them, you know, were able to mask it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, you know, I knew something was up, but it was really hard to tell. Um, And so I was able to get my mom to a neurologist and she was diagnosed with, you know, mild cognitive impairment. And at that time, the neurologist said, you know, it'd be great for your mom to move into like an independent senior living. And so I started working on my mom about that and she was adamant she did not want to move. Uh, But she couldn't keep track of her days. Mm-hmm. She did, wasn't eating um, meals on wheels. They were wonderful. They came. Uh, she wouldn't eat the food unless I was there and put it on a plate. If it was on a plate, then she would eat it. The thing she was most interested in is talking to the people delivering it. So she was really needing a lot of socialization. She was living out of town. <clears throat> they had a house in the country, and uh, it was just too much for her, and she was lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived a few miles from her. And you know, I went and checked on her every day. But what she really needed was people around her all the time. So um, we had a really shocking um, revelation six months after his death. Literally, to the day of his death, my mother received a letter from Department of Human Services saying, hey, we're sorry for your loss. Now, mind you, these two were never married, but they bought a home together. So the letter said, we're sorry for your loss, but, um, you know, we're going to come after you for Medicaid reimbursement. And I didn't realize, yeah, I did not realize the situation. Um, And it took about another six or eight months, maybe, maybe another, yeah, it was about eight months before we finally got a final letter. So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's been on Medicaid for I don't know, 18 years, uh, and he'd had a couple hips and a back surgery, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how how are we going to do this? I mean, my mother's house is her <laughs> retirement, you know, um, although she did work for the county for, you know, 27 years, she had PERS retirement, which was great, but I didn't know all the details of these things. So that was um, those experiences of um, crisis. Mm-hmm has really formed where I am now and today with my mom. So here we are three years later. Uh, My mother has been um, monitored by the same neurologist and she has now been diagnosed as of January as having Alzheimer's disease. Uh, So she has major cognitive impairment, which people also refer to as dementia. Um, And she's been living at, in an independent senior living home for the last two years. Uh, so that whole Medicaid situation actually served a purpose um, in 
leveraging my mom's fear and getting her to move into a senior apartment housing situation. Mm -hmm. So that actually was helpful. Um, and my cousin, you know, was helpful in saying, you know, I think you should use this to your advantage and get, get your mom in a good place. And so I started looking at all of the things that were happening that seemed like horrible crisis, horrible situation, awful things, and started looking at things in, okay, how can this be used in a good way? How can we turn this into a positive? So the first year that my mom uh, lived up at the Regent, you know, it was, a, it was an adjustment. It took her about three months to adjust. And the way we moved in is um, I, I rented her apartment. We went up there and we looked and she chose the apartment she wanted. And I rented it and it took about six weeks to actually get her moved in. And so we went through her home and we selected things that she wanted. And really there was very little from her home that she wanted. Um, she wanted all new things. So we went shopping, she got all new things. Um, it was interesting because that's so different than what people tell you. You know, when you have someone with memory, they're like, keep it the same. She did not want it the same. Um, so it was interesting in the sense that, you know, we picked out some you know, pots and pans and you know, towels and things of that nature. And we moved things up a little bit at a time. Like we would move two pans, put them in the shelf. The next day we moved up three towels. You know, um, it was a very slow and arduous process. However, the region was great in the sense that they said, come up for meals and have a meal with your mother. So every day that we would go up and move something, we would have a meal and we would meet more of the residents. And there's a wonderful group of, of ladies up there. They were so welcoming to my mom. Um, and that's how she got moved in. And, and she went to visit my, my sister um, and she, she said one day, she said, can you just move the rest of it for me? At first, Brenda's mom was very active and engaged with her life in her new home. But gradually, things began to change. So that first year was great. She made a lot of friends. Uh, she had, it was interesting, there were several people in the community that she knew from her work with the county. She actually had several uh, male friends. There was a group of them that congregated upstairs in the, in the main living area to read the paper together, to um, play games, to just chit chat. And what I noticed and what the staff told me is that, you know, this group all kind of had memory problems. Mm. And so she, was, she found a group of people she felt comfortable with. And she really was living her best life. I mean, she, she went to all the activities. I would call her, she never answered the phone. She was just always gone. She was just loving it. And uh, everything was really great until, until about December of last year. And then some of these folks started getting moved off to memory care. And one of her best girlfriends um, was moved up to Washington. And so she was losing people in her life again. Um, and then in January is when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And then in March, everything shut down at the Regent and people were isolating. Meals were now being delivered to their rooms. And um, even though families were not allowed in, my mother chose an apartment that had an outside door. So she lived on the first floor 
she had an outside porch, she still does, and she has a door to the outside, to the outside walk that goes around the porch. It's beautiful. And what was similar about this apartment to her home is that um, she lived in a, in a tiny house. Uh, it was a very small home. It was maybe uh, 900 square feet, maybe 700. Mm. It's like 797 square feet. That's <laughs> 797 square feet. Um, they had a big shop, but she had a tiny house and she had a beautiful view of Mary's Peak. So she loved looking at the mountains. This apartment also, um, it looked out the other direction. It looks out towards the Willamette River, um, but it's the same orientation as her home was. So her porch is the same orientation as the porch on her home. And I hired someone to, to build a little railing so we could put her planters on the railing like she had at her home. So the porch where she spent most of her time gardening was very similar to what she had at home. And then I arranged her furniture. Um, she did keep her furniture, but uh, you know, she had new, new stylish, you know, pillows and things like that. Um, so her furniture was arranged the same. And so there were things that were very familiar. You know, she bought a new rug and um, I had a, a chair that was meaningful to her uh, redone. And so you know, she, everything was kind of a nice facelift for what she had. Mm-hmm. She really did enjoy being on the porch and gardening that first year. Um, but with the pandemic, uh, she was very isolated. And so even though uh, I couldn't check in and come down and be inside the, the Regent. Um, I did visit her on her back porch and I could deliver pills and I could, you know, um, you know, I could go into her apartment and, and take care of the things that she needed. And, and the Regent was aware that I was doing this. Um, so that was actually very helpful to mm-hmm. do that for my mom. Brenda's mom made it very clear that she wants to live independently and does not want to live for a long time without her memory. Here's Brenda talking about how she has helped her mom to live in accordance with those wishes. My mom living independently is her goal and what she wants to do. It would be so much easier if she lived with uh, me or my sister because we would then have eyes on her all day long. She would have, you know, companionship. However, She's very private, and uh, when I do, um, at least once or twice a week, I will go up and I'll spend a couple hours. Um, A half an hour, 45 minutes into it, she's making excuses for me to leave. She wants me to leave. Um, I stay longer so I can kind of see what's happening. Um, I'm now in a situation where, you know, I'm helping her with hygiene. um, my mom is doing much better. You know, she had the home health and I've continued um, PT for her with Fitness Over 50. Fitness Over 50 has provided the best per dollar value for my mother's health and well-being than anything else that we've done. Fitness Over 50 has a great staff and they come to my mother's home. They spend, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes with my mom doing exercises. Uh, they give her a walk and they're helping her with balance. These things have helped her be able to live in her home longer. And so my, I, I can see the difference in my mom. I can see that she's engaged, even though she doesn't have a memory. And the Regent has opened up and she's having all of her meals in the dining room again. 
So my mom is able to get herself to her meals, which is the social aspect. Uh, she comes back to her apartment. She has time alone. She can, uh, she likes to read. Um, she's no longer gardening, but she enjoys looking out at the birds from her window. Um, my mom's no longer spending a lot of time on her computer. So her world is getting a lot smaller. Something about that exercise piece that is really helping her just kind of stay upright and mobile. So I've been trying to stay a couple steps ahead of my mom. Um, and now we're in a situation where my mother is literally living moment by moment. She can't remember whether she saw me 10 minutes ago or 10 days ago. Um, she just can't remember anything. My mother's wishes have been made known to me all of her life. She's been very clear, and especially when she did some estate planning about eight, 10 years ago. Um, she was very clear that she did not want to live a long time without her memory. She has a sister who's 14 years her senior who does not have a memory and has, is still living. And has been living, uh, she's 92 now, she's been living in assisted living for, I don't know, 15 plus years. Um, and that has been very traumatic for my mother to witness. So my mom was very clear, I do not want to live a long time without a memory. Um, if I'm ill, you know, don't revive me. Just, um, I want to move forward. So that's been foremost on my mind of how can I help my mother live her best life? And how can I also not authorize medical interventions that will extend her physical life, but negate what she has asked me to do for her cognitive. Mm -hmm. um, Lumina had reached out to me when I had reached out to Lumina and they reached back to me and they said, look, your mom doesn't qualify for hospice um, because she's really not sick enough. You know, having no memory is not a criteria for hospice. And legislation, we need to change something about that. Mm -hmm. um, so they suggested that I join their transitions program, which I have joined. And I have a wonderful person, Karen, who checks in on me every two weeks. And, you know, she asks me questions that sometimes I just don't feel like answering, but I realize she's asking me these questions to figure out what's happening with my mother and whether or not she will qualify. Um, so I, I greatly appreciate that. The other thing that came with Lumina and joining Transitions is that they sent a gerontologist out to assess my mother. She went to her, my mother's home. She spent an hour with my mom alone. Um, and then she spent about a half an hour alone with me. And what she said to me was uh, shockingly refreshing. She said, Brenda, your mom, I believe, is in the moderate stage of decline. Uh, had it not been for the pandemic and you know all of these this isolation, your mother would be doing better than she is, but she's in this spot. And uh, she asked a lot about finances and she said, you know, I think your mom's life expectancy is three to four years. And if you keep this up, you know, this will help your mom stay in her home. Um, you know, uh, barring any um, medical thing that happens or lack of will. So 
The gerontologist really was the person who provided me with the most information that has helped me be able to plan. Okay, my mom has three to four years life expectancy if she needs this level of care. Um, and my mother was also very clear, she did not want to move in with my sister. She did not want to move in with me. And I believe this is strongly rooted in the fact that she lived with men who made all of her decisions. And she wanted to have an opportunity in her life to make her own decisions. Mm-hmm. So I completely get that. And my mother, uh, at the time that she retired, she chose a financial planner. She chose a, an attorney. Um, and she has worked, she worked with them to do various things. So I'm my mom's power of attorney and I am just following that plan. I asked Brenda if she had any recommendations for people who are starting out on the caregiving journey and if she might share with us how she has changed as the result of taking care of her mother. We all know that our parents are getting older. And so just knowing that fact, uh, it's worthwhile reading a book, uh, reaching out to your workplace, reaching out to your community, uh, joining a group, learning about the aging process. That was really helpful for me. And I did that before I had a lot of access to my mom. Having ha- Being part of a group and getting that up-to-date information was incredibly important to me. Uh, it prepared me um, in terms of shifting my perspective of, okay, I've, I really need to make the m- most of this time with my mom now. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is understanding that dying is part of our life cycle and letting go of that. My goal is not to keep my mother alive until I'm ready for her to leave. My goal is to help my mother on her journey. And so I've been working through letting go these last three years, just letting go and whatever will be, will be. And that's my gift to my mom, is making sure she's comfortable, She has what she needs. She can live her best life. Um, And and I'm hoping that I can provide that comfort support when she needs it most, that there won't be a crisis and that she will have a very smooth passing. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting growing experience. I feel like I've grown so much uh, as an individual. I feel like just going to be a better person overall because of what I've learned over the last three years. Just being able to reconcile those feelings that I had about our relationship, understand, you know, her in a different way, um, let go of, you know, my anger, frustration, whatever feelings that I've had over the years, let go of it and just just live in the moment like my mother is now living in the moment. Um, yeah. Learn about the aging process. Focus on the quality of your loved one's life and not how long they can be kept alive. Let go of feelings of anger and frustration and learn to live in the moment 
are all things we can learn from Brenda to help us care for those we love who can no longer care for themselves. And I have to say, for me personally, um, uh, that wisdom really resonates. Uh, and had I understood that when I took care of my mother uh, a number of years ago, I think my journey along that trail would have been a good deal easier. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll return on March 1st for Episode 5, when we will meet Bill. He's been caring for his wife, Gloria, who's in the advanced stages of Alzheimer's disease. And he has a unique perspective about caring for someone with dementia that I think you will find very interesting. KBOO Portland.